Section 31. The Fair Maid of Perth, or St. Valentine's Day. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Rita Boutros. The Fair Maid of Perth, or St. Valentine's Day, by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter 28. What want these outlaws conquerors should have, but history's purchased page, to call them great? A wider space? An ornamented grave? Their hopes were not less warm, their souls were full as brave. Byron The funeral obsequies being over, the same flotilla which had proceeded in Solomon's sad array down the lake, prepared to return with displayed banners, and every demonstration of mirth and joy, for there was but brief time to celebrate festivals when the awful conflict betwixt the clan Quaheli and their most formidable rivals so nearly approached. It had been agreed, therefore, that the funeral feast should be blended with that usually given at the inauguration of the young chief. Some objections were made to this arrangement as containing an evil omen, but, on the other hand, it had a species of recommendation, from the habits and feelings of the Highlanders, who, to this day, are wont to mingle a degree of solemn mirth with their mourning, and something resembling melancholy with their mirth. The usual aversion to speak or think of those who have been beloved and lost is less known to this grave and enthusiastic race than it is to others. You hear not only the young mention as is everywhere usual, the merits and the character of parents who have in the course of nature predeceased them, but the widowed partner speaks in ordinary conversation of the lost spouse, and, what is still stranger, the parents allude frequently to the beauty or valour of the child whom they have interred. The Scottish Highlanders appear to regard the separation of friends by death as something less absolute and complete than it is generally esteemed in other countries, and converse of the dear connections who have sought the grave before them as if they had gone upon a long journey in which they themselves must soon follow. The funeral feast, therefore, being a general custom throughout Scotland, was not, in the opinion of those who were to share it, unseemingly mingled on the present occasion with the festivities which hailed the succession to the chieftainship. The barge, which had lately borne the dead to the grave, now conveyed the young Macian to his new command, and the minstrels set forth their gayest notes to gratulate Aiken's succession, as they had lately sounded their most doleful dirges when carrying Gilchrist to his grave. From the attendant flotilla rang notes of triumph and jubilee, instead of those yells of lamentation which had so lately disturbed the echoes of Loch Tay, and a thousand voices hailed the youthful chieftain as he stood on the poop, armed at all points, in the flower of early manhood, beauty and activity, on the very spot where his father's corpse had so lately been extended, and surrounded by triumphant friends, as that had been by desolate mourners. One boat kept closest of the flotilla to the honoured galley. Torquil of the Oak, a grizzled giant, was steersman, 
and his eight sons each exceeding the ordinary stature of mankind pulled the oars like some powerful and favourite wolfhound unloosed from his couples and frolicking around a liberal master the boat of the foster brethren passed the chieftain's barge now on one side and now on another and even rode around it as if in extravagance of joy while at the same time with the jealous vigilance of the animal we have compared it to they made it dangerous for any other of the flotilla to approach so near as themselves from the risk of being run down by their impetuous and reckless manoeuvres raised to an eminent rank in the clan by the succession of their foster brother to the command of the clan quaheli this was the tumultuous and almost terrible mode in which they testified their peculiar share in their chief's triumph far behind and with different feelings on the part of one at least of the company came the small boat in which manned by the bouchalach and one of his sons simon glover was a passenger if we are bound for the head of the lake said simon to his friend we shall hardly be there for hours but as he spoke the crew of the boat of the foster brethren or lechtach on a signal from the chief's galley lay on their oars until the bouchalach's boat came up and throwing on board a rope of hides which neil made fast to the head of his skiff they stretched to their oars once more and notwithstanding they had the small boat in tow swept through the lake with almost the same rapidity as before the skiff was tugged on with a velocity which seemed to hazard the pulling her under water or the separation of her head from her other timbers simon glover saw with anxiety the reckless fury of their course and the bows of the boat occasionally brought within an inch or two of the level of the water and though his friend neil bouchalach assured him it was all done in especial honour he heartily wished his voyage might have a safe termination it had so and much sooner than he apprehended for the place of festivity was not four miles distant from the sepulchral island being chosen to suit the chieftain's course which lay to the southeast so soon as the banquet should be concluded a bay on the southern side of loch Tay presented a beautiful beach of sparkling sand on which the boats might land with ease and a dry meadow covered with turf verdant considering the season behind and around which rose high banks fringed with copsewood and displaying the lavish preparations which had been made for the entertainment the highlanders well known for ready hatchet men had constructed a long arbour or sylvan banqueting room capable of receiving two hundred men while a number of smaller huts around seemed intended for sleeping apartments the uprights the couples and roof-tree of the temporary hall were composed of mountain pine still covered with its bark the framework of the sides was of planks or spars of the same material closely interwoven with the leafy boughs of the fir and other evergreens which the neighbouring woods afforded while the hills had furnished plenty of heath to form the roof within this sylvan palace the most important personages present were invited to hold high festival others of less note were to feast in various long sheds constructed with less care 
and tables of sod or rough planks placed in the open air were allotted to the numberless multitude at a distance were to be seen piles of glowing charcoal or blazing wood around which countless cooks toiled bustled and fretted like so many demons working in their native element pits wrought in the hillside and lined with heated stones served as ovens for stewing immense quantities of beef mutton and venison wooden spits supported sheep and goats which were roasted entire others were cut into joints and seethed in cauldrons made of the animal's own skins sewed hastily together and filled with water while huge quantities of pike trout salmon and char were broiled with more ceremony on glowing embers the glover had seen many a highland banquet but never one the preparations for which were on a scale of barbarous profusion he had little time however to admire the scene around him for as soon as they landed on the beach the bouchalach observed with some embarrassment that as they had not been bidden to the table of the dais to which he seemed to have expected an invitation they had best secure a place in one of the inferior bothies or booths and was leading the way in that direction when he was stopped by one of the bodyguards seeming to act as master of ceremonies who whispered something in his ear i thought so said the herdsman much relieved i thought neither the stranger nor the man that has my charge would be left out at the high table they were conducted accordingly into the ample lodge within which were long ranges of tables already mostly occupied by the guests while those who acted as domestics were placed upon them the abundant though rude materials of the festival the young chief although he certainly saw the glover and the herdsman enter did not address any personal salute to either and their places were assigned them in a distant corner far beneath the salt a huge piece of antique silver plate the only article of value that the table displayed and which was regarded by the clan as a species of palladium only produced and used on the most solemn occasions such as the present the bouchalach somewhat discontented muttered to simon as he took his place these are changed days friend his father rest his soul would have spoken to us both but these are bad manners which he has learned among you sassenachs in the low country to this remark the glover did not think it necessary to reply instead of which he adverted to the evergreens and particularly to the skins and other ornaments with which the interior of the bower was decorated the most remarkable part of these ornaments was a number of highland shirts of mail with steel bonnets battle-axes and two-handed swords to match which hung around the upper part of the room together with targets highly and richly embossed each mail shirt was hung over a well-dressed stag's hide which at once displayed the armor to advantage and saved it from suffering by damp these whispered the bouchalach are the arms of the chosen champions of the clan quaheli they are twenty-nine in number as you see Aiken himself being the thirtieth who wears his armor to-day else had there been thirty and he has not got such a good hauberk after all as he should wear on palm sunday 
these nine suits of harness of such large size are for the lechtach from whom so much is expected and these goodly dear hides said simon the spirit of his profession awakening at the sight of the goods in which he traded think you the chief will be disposed to chaffer for them they are in demand for the doublets which knights wear under their armour did i not pray you said neil bouchalloch to say nothing on that subject it is the male shirts i speak of said simon may i ask if any of them were made by our celebrated perth armourer called henry of the wind thou art more unlucky than before said neil that man's name is to aiken's temper like a whirlwind upon the lake yet no man knows for what cause i can guess thought our glover but gave no utterance to the thought and having twice lighted on unpleasant subjects of conversation he prepared to apply himself like those around him to his food without starting another topic we have said as much of the preparations as may lead the reader to conclude that the festival in respect to the quality of the food was of the most rude description consisting chiefly of huge joints of meat which were consumed with little respect to the fasting season although several of the friars of the island convent graced and hallowed the board by their presence the platters were of wood and so were the hooped cogs or cups out of which the guests quaffed their liquor as also the broth or juice of the meat which was held a delicacy there were also various preparations of milk which were highly esteemed and were eaten out of similar vessels bread was the scarcest article at the banquet but the glover and his patron neil were served with two small loaves expressly for their own use in eating as indeed was then the case all over britain the guests used their knives called skeins or the large poniards named dirks without troubling themselves by the reflection that they might occasionally have served different or more fatal purposes at the upper end of the table stood a vacant seat elevated a step or two above the floor it was covered with a canopy of hollow boughs and ivy and there rested against it a sheathed sword and a folded banner this had been the seat of the deceased chieftain and was left vacant in honour of him aiken occupied a lower chair on the right hand of the place of honour the reader would be greatly mistaken who should follow out this description by supposing that the guests behaved like a herd of hungry wolves rushing upon a feast rarely offered to them on the contrary the clan quaheli conducted themselves with that species of courteous reserve and attention to the wants of others which is often found in primitive nations especially such as always in arms because a general observance of the rules of courtesy is necessary to prevent quarrels bloodshed and death the guests took the places assigned them by Torkel of the Oak, who, acting as Marechal Tay, i.e., sower of the mess, touched with a white wand, without speaking a word, the place where each was to sit. Thus placed in order, the company patiently waited for the portion assigned them, which was distributed among them by the Lechtach the bravest men or more distinguished warriors of the tribe being accommodated with a double mess emphatically called befer or the portion of a man 
when the sowers themselves had seen every one served they resumed their places at the festival and were each served with one of these larger messes of food water was placed within each man's reach and a handful of soft moss served the purposes of a table napkin so that as at an eastern banquet the hands were washed as often as the mess was changed for amusement the bard recited the praises of the deceased chief and expressed the clan's confidence in the blossoming virtues of his successor the shanachi recited the genealogy of the tribe which they traced to the race of the delriads the harpers played within while the war-pipes cheered the multitude without the conversation among the guests was grave subdued and civil no jest was attempted beyond the bounds of a very gentle pleasantry calculated only to excite a passing smile there were no raised voices no contentious arguments and simon glover had heard a hundred times more noise at a guild feast in perth than was made on this occasion by two hundred wild mountaineers even the liquor itself did not seem to raise the festive party above the same tone of decorous gravity it was of various kinds wine appeared in very small quantities and was served out only to the principal guests among which honoured number simon glover was again included the wine and the two wheaten loaves were indeed the only marks of notice which he received during the feast but neil bouchalach jealous of his master's reputation for hospitality failed not to enlarge on them as proofs of high distinction distilled liquors since so generally used in the highlands were then comparatively unknown the uskbau was circulated in small quantities and was highly flavoured with a decoction of saffron and other herbs so as to resemble a medicinal potion rather than a festive cordial cider and mead were seen at the entertainment but ale brewed in great quantities for the purpose and flowing round without restriction was the liquor generally used and that was drunk with a moderation much less known among the more modern highlanders a cup to the memory of the deceased chieftain was the first pledge solemnly proclaimed after the banquet was finished and a low murmur of benedictions was heard from the company while the monks alone uplifting their united voices sung requiem aeternum dona an unusual silence followed as if something extraordinary was expected when aiken arose with a bold and manly yet modest grace and ascended the vacant seat or throne saying with dignity and firmness this seat and my father's inheritance i claim as my right so prosper me god and saint bar how will you rule your father's children said an old man the uncle of the deceased i will defend them with my father's sword and distribute justice to them under my father's banner the old man with a trembling hand unsheathed the ponderous weapon and holding it by the blade offered the hilt to the young chieftain's grasp at the same time torquil of the oak unfurled the pennon of the tribe and swung it repeatedly over aiken's head who with singular grace and dexterity brandished the huge claymore as in its defence the guests raised a yelling shout to testify their acceptance of the patriarchal chief who claimed their allegiance 
nor was there any who in the graceful and agile youth before them was disposed to recollect the subject of sinister vaticinations as he stood in glittering mail resting on the long sword and acknowledging by gracious gestures the acclamations which rent the air within without and around simon glover was tempted to doubt whether this majestic figure was that of the same lad whom he had often treated with little ceremony and began to have some apprehension of the consequences of having done so a general burst of minstrelsy succeeded to the acclamations, and Rock and Greenwood rang to harp and pipes, as lately to shout and yell of woe. It would be tedious to pursue the progress of the inaugural feast, or detail the pledges that were quaffed to former heroes of the clan, and above all to the twenty-nine brave gallaglasses who were to fight in the approaching conflict under the eye and leading of their young chief the bards assuming in old times the prophetic character combined with their own ventured to assure them of the most distinguished victory and to predict the fury with which the blue falcon the emblem of the clan coheli should rent to pieces the mountain cat the well-known badge of the clan chetan it was approaching sunset when a bowl called the grace cup made of oak hooped with silver was handed round the table as the signal of dispersion although it was left free to any who chose a longer carouse to retreat to any of the outer bothies as for simon glover the bouchalach conducted him to a small hut contrived it would seem for the use of a single individual where a bed of heath and moss was arranged as well as the season would permit, and an ample supply of such delicacies as the late feast afforded, showed that all care had been taken for the inhabitants' accommodation. "'Do not leave this hut,' said the Bouchalach, taking leave of his friend and protégé. "'This is your place of rest.' but apartments are lost on such a night of confusion and if the badger leaves his hole the toad will creep into it to simon glover this arrangement was by no means disagreeable he had been wearied by the noise of the day and felt desirous of repose after eating therefore a morsel which his appetite scarce required and drinking a cup of wine to expel the cold he muttered his evening prayer wrapped himself in his cloak and lay down on a couch which old acquaintance had made familiar and easy to him the hum and murmur and even the occasional shouts of some of the festive multitude who continued revelling without did not long interrupt his repose and in about ten minutes he was as fast asleep as if he had lain in his own bed in curfew street End of section thirty one